Welcome to the Alaskan Journey Podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm an associate real estate broker in the state of Alaska, and my mission is to help you to build an intentional and significant legacy for yourself and your family by coaching in real estate. And the purpose of this podcast is to answer the questions that you guys have as you're moving up here or thinking about moving up here um, from the perspective of people who are currently here and to really give you that uh, that real authentic perspective of what it's like up here. And Today, we're very lucky to be joined by Kevin. He is a friend of mine who's uh, been up here in Alaska and kind of the Anchorage area for a while. We um, you know, got him uh, got him positioned in a condo just, a, man, I guess actually about a year ago or so at this point, getting close to that. And he's going to be sharing his, um, you know, his story, what it's been like living up here, the pros, the cons, the good and the ugly. So Kevin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Jamin, thank you very much for having me. I'm really, really happy to be here. Very fortunate to be here too. <laughs> Outstanding. So I guess let's go ahead and just start from the top then. Um, what got you thinking about moving to Alaska? Because that's um, a lot of people think about it. Very few people do it. So, you know, for the people who do do it, I always just want to know, like, where did it start for you? You are very right on that. A lot of people think about it, but a lot of people don't do it. So prior to the pandemic in 2020 starting, I was living in Mexico as a return Peace Corps, as a Peace Corps volunteer. And I, you know, ended my, I ended my two-year service due to the pandemic, came back home to Ohio where I grew up. And I was living there for about three to four months and had moved back in with my parents after 10 years of not living with them because my life was in Mexico. And I was looking to finish out my public service because public service is very big to me. Um, I kind of felt that I was a professional volunteer for almost four to five years, and I wanted to continue that service. And so I decided to do AmeriCorps VISTA, and that was my second stint of doing that. And I wanted to go somewhere that was completely different, and I always had wanted to go to Alaska. And I thought to myself, you know, I have a lot of support through this federal program, this federal volunteer program, I'm going to do it. And I, you know, I'll see where I go. And so that's what ended up taking me up here to get a job with, uh, to volunteer with the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium. Got it. And I guess the, your answer there kind of answers the second question, but what made you decide to, to move to the Anchorage area specifically? Yeah, that's also a great question because I had also looked at jobs out in, you know, Nome, down in Kenai, things like that. But uh, one of the opportunities is with the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium, which of course is just based here in Anchorage. And since you're a volunteer, <laughs> you don't really make a lot. You're only making like $600, you know, six $700 every two weeks. And so there was a uh, supported housing here in Anchorage, which I wanted to take a part of. And that's kind of what made me stick around in the Anchorage Bowl. And plus with that too, uh, you know, Anchorage is kind of in a sense located to where you can get to where you want to go. And in case I wanted to fly down to the lower 48 to visit family or friends wanted to come up, I could come and get them from the airport as well. So more of a convenience factor as well with that. Yeah, I definitely get that. So if you hadn't have chosen this area, like where, what do you think like your, your second place would have been that you would have preferred to have gone to? Wow, that is a great question. So I'm trying to think back because I've traveled the state of Alaska now with my job and it's kind of hard to decide where I would have gone because there's so many. <laughs> it's like they're they're kind of like kids, you know, you can't like choose a favorite. <laughs> exactly. So I'm trying to think back to my state of mind when I came up here. And I think one of the other places I would have 
like to move to was Juno. I think Juno, just from photos and knowing people that have visited there and lived there was absolutely gorgeous. And I love that temperate forest vibe and that temperate forest environment. And I think that that, and especially being from the second, like second, third cloudiest place in the US, I probably would have felt right at home in <laughs> Juno. Yeah, yeah, I think you're uniquely um, uniquely prepared for that area. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like they've they've got a couple of days that are just absolutely spectacular, and then a lot of the time it just feels like it's overcast and you know kind of a um, version of Seattle. So it's uh, it has to it has to choose you. <laughs> well, and what was ironic is every time I've been down to Juneau, it has in the summer it has been sunny and it has been 68 every single time I've been down there. And I've been down there <laughs> maybe a total of uh, eight to 10 days since I've lived here in Alaska these past three and a half years. So I've gotten the ideal day in Juneau, but I've never gotten the rain that I was expecting. <laughs> That's kind of the siren call right now, I'm sure. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the initial challenges for you when you were moving up here? I feel personally as a as an individual, I'm very adaptive. So I really can adapt to very to various environments. And this was just especially, you know, living in another country and not speaking the language. I mean, I you learn to adapt when I was, you know, living in Mexico, of course, and doing my other uh, travels and opportunities that I've had with work. So moving to Alaska wasn't necessarily different or challenging for me in in that sense, but um, and just to clarify, you're looking for the challenges, right? Of kind of moving up here. Yeah, will the the challenges? I mean, a lot of people have issues just like physically getting their stuff up here, and sometimes it's that. Sometimes, you know, pets or but I mean, everyone's got their own own cross to bear. Yeah, I drove up here actually from Cleveland, Ohio, and I drove here and it took I took about two weeks. I only drove for six hours a day because I wanted to stop and enjoy the sights along the way. And I drove up during COVID. So when Americans weren't allowed to enter Canada, I had to get a special letter from my job up here to let me travel. And I do have to say, I think I got a very unique perspective of the Alcan without any tourism because I would drive on the road for two days. I drove on the road for two days and did not see a soul, for example. Oh, wow. And besides, of course, like the ga occasional gas station, but there weren't any cars for two days. And that's just really unheard of. Uh, in the summertime, I drove up in I drove up in late July and got oh, here wow. in August. 1st. <laughs> and that was in 2020. That was in 2020. Yeah. And so I had driven up here and I brought all of my stuff with me because the apartment I was given um, or supported with was furnished. So I didn't really have to bring any furniture or purchase any furniture. Uh, and I did bring a car up here when I first moved up here because I think if you come up here and you don't have a car and you plan to stay for longer than just a vacation, you're gonna have you're not gonna enjoy yourself as much. You just you the fact of the matter is you just need a car here in Alaska because we don't have really amazing public transportation because the state is obviously it's the largest state in the country and it's also very spread out and if you need to go somewhere, if you want to go up to Talkeetna, you're going to need a car. If you want to go down to Soldatna, you're going to need a car. If you're wanting to go up to, you know, Palmer Wasilla to, you know, drink kombucha, you're going to need a car because there aren't a ton of buses that go that go there. And if you do find a bus, it's going to take you a while. Um, and so I think when it came to moving, that was it. But I, I think, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave I'll leave it there when it comes to the moving your things. Uh, and then, of course, you just accumulate things here while you're in Alaska, which 
last point I do want to make is the second hand market here is very competitive, but you do get some amazing finds because the Goodwills are high, are high quality here in Alaska compared to the lower 48, I feel. So I think that's a good indication of the secondary market where you can buy stuff. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you just have, it's such a transitory state. And if you come up here, you buy a bunch of brand new stuff. It's like, well, I really don't want to take this, take this back with me because it's transporting. It's almost going to be as expensive as the thing itself. So yeah, so many people end up just leaving their stuff. And, and if you don't mind, if I could just make a point here about the opposite of not bringing things, but like finding things here in Alaska, uh, I actually have found it very easy to find things here in Alaska. I know we don't have a lot of the same amenities up here as we do in the lower 48, but we do have this again, the secondhand market, especially because we have the two military bases that are, and people are constantly cycling through. And a lot of people don't want to, a lot of military families or individuals don't want to ship their stuff. Um, even though the government pays for it, they're just like, I'm going to donate it. And I always pride myself because my first apartment I got here after my volunteership, I actually furnished my entire apartment, dishes, rugs, couches, washed them, of course, but I furnished my entire apartment only with Facebook marketplace finds and goodwill finds. So you can really find anything up here and in really great condition. I had people walk in and ask me where I bought my furniture and I'm like, oh, I got it off Facebook marketplace. Oh, or, oh, I got it at goodwill. And they couldn't believe it because it was just such good quality that you can find up here in the secondhand stores. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to hear it worked out, but yeah, you are bold, my friend. There is a real bed bug, bed bug problem up here, and like the. Well, uh, I did. I did purchase a mattress and box spring. That is one thing. Yes, I did do that. Okay, that's that's at least that one thing you got to go get, and um, yeah, but I'm glad that that turned out pretty good. So, what kind of car? do you drive now? Because I know that's one thing a lot of people think about when they're moving up here. And a lot of people think you need to have this super over the top, souped up, um, rugged Jeep to get around. But what has been your experience with, um, with driving on the roads here? What I like, what I like a souped up rugged Jeep? Uh, sometimes, yes, I would, especially in the winter. But I do appreciate no, I do appreciate having my Honda Civic. I have a 2013 Honda Civic and uh, his name is Lobo, which means wolf in Spanish. And he <laughs> has gotten me, uh, he's gotten me across the country. He's gotten me all across Alaska. Uh, he's been a great car. And I, I didn't, I don't want to purchase a larger vehicle one because I don't want to have a payment. And I paid for cash during the pandemic because car, because used car prices were so low um, before they skyrocketed that I got him for a steal. And, uh, and then, um, with that too, uh, I do wish that in the winter though, I did have like a higher car because especially, you know, Jamin, this winter, the roads in Anchorage were not great. And they were, I heard that they were some of the worst that people had ever seen in regards to the ice accumulation after the, after the first snowfall. Um, and especially with like the freezing and melting and freezing again. And, uh, my car didn't necessarily do as well as it had done in other winters, um, or other uh, scenarios like that, but I think that I'm still going to stick with my car. And I think that if you're just driving around Anchorage and you're not commuting from like Wasilla to Anchorage or from, um, you know, the Kenai to Anchorage and vice versa, I think you'll be okay. But if you're going to do commuting, I would recommend getting a, 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 you know, a larger car. I believe Alaska is number 
six or seven uh, with the highest Subaru ownership in the country with Vermont being number <laughs> one. So uh, if you have a Subaru and you come to Alaska, you'll fit right in. Yeah, that, that does not surprise me even a little bit. Um, I know like the Toyota RAV4s, those are also uh, really popular. Um, I personally drive a Prius. So yeah, I am about as close to the ground as you can get. So yeah, 100%, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um, another thing that I've run into is just because you're low to the ground, like anytime, like all the dust is getting, getting kicked up from all the gravel that's been put down, like it starts breaking up, like you are the first one to have your headlights pretty much incapacitated just because it's getting so much dirt on them. <laughs> I, I feel I feel that I do like saving that gas money, though. So compared to the large trucks that, you know, burn through since gas is pretty high here in Alaska. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's not lost on me. I was able to um, uh, drive to from Wasilla to Seward and back for like less than 20 bucks worth of gas. So that's that's the way to go. Totally. Mm -hmm. And one other thing is I do have two sets of tires that I've had for three and a half years now. And I have my summer tires and I have my studded winter tires. And I do have to say the studded winter tires have made a really big difference and um, in the winter time with driving. And uh, I also haven't had to spend money on tires in three years because I do drive my car very carefully in Anchorage and I'm not you know, I'm not Fast and Furious 10, you know, Kevin whipping around Fast and Furious 10 Anchorage edition, you know. Um, so, you know, you can also if you drive carefully, you can preserve your tires, especially since you're alternating between two. Yeah, two set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's smart. So circling back real quick, um, do you have any tips or advice for people that are looking at driving the Alcan? Funny thing, I I would I would actually recommend if you want to save money and you're someone on a budget like I was, I would recommend bringing a cooler with you full of food and having your little camping stove with you. Because what I did is I actually never purchased food. I actually brought food with me in a big cooler and I make sure it was like, you know, packed with ice and everything. And I um, camped out along the Alcan. I only stayed in the hotel twice. And I um, and that's not for everybody, of course, but if you are looking to save money, I, um, you know, I brought food and I just, you know, cooked on my camping stove and it was a Coleman double burner. And I got laughed at along the way because I brought uh, I brought a blender and I would make protein shakes at the gas station. So I'd plug my blender in on the side of the building and make, <laughs> and make a protein shake and everybody would be looking at me. But I do have to say, I did get some praises that people thought that that was a very ingenious ingenious way of saving money and also um, just bring something that's portable and that's different. So you're not having to eat fast food on the road, especially because you're sitting for so long, you know, uh, you're not really burning a ton of calories. Uh, I would have to say just, you know, bring a cooler with you if you do want to save uh, some money on food. I would also say too, plan ahead of time in the sense of make sure that if you're going to stay at a hotel, you have a reservation. Don't just show up the day of. This was even during COVID and I went and I, and I was thinking there's no one on the road. I went to go stay in a hotel because it was thunderstorming really badly and they did not have any rooms available and I had to go visit two other hotels. And I was said, you know, why, why is it so full? And they said, well, you know, and they said, they're not really sure why it was just kind of out of the blue. So 
I imagine during high tourism, it's even worse. So definitely plan for that and also plan for your camping sites um, with that, with that too, if you're going to camp out, you know, and you can do it like, uh, you know, KOA or, uh, or Sam's, you know, those are two good, uh, two good areas along the way and make sure the place isn't closed because I chose, I chose a place to stop at, to camp at, and it had closed the month before. And I had, and I didn't, and this is the problem is I was, I, I was planning for it and I drove there and there wasn't another place to stay or camp or anything that was safe for another two hours. So oh. I had to drive an extra two hours after that was closed. Yeah. Um, and I think lastly, you know, let's do the trifecta here with three is along with planning, enjoy yourself. If you're not in a rush, take the time to stop at, you know, the beautiful workings of mother nature along the way in a, in a lot in the United States and also in Canada, it depends like where, what route you're taking, but there are some really beautiful sites along the way. And I felt, especially during COVID, you know, this was a huge shakeup in our society and for ourselves personally. And I felt doing the Alcan and taking my time and, and spending time out in nature really helped kind of heal me during that time and give me an opportunity to kind of gather my senses and say, all right, Kevin, what are you planning to do for the future? And, um, and just to relax and breathe and know that everything's going to be okay, you know? So enjoy yourself along the way. Don't try to rush the, don't try to rush the Alcan. You know, I think I've talked to, man, maybe close to about a hundred people or so at this point about their experience of driving the Alcan. And, um, your description of your experience is definitely the most pleasant so far, I think. <laughs> I, you know, maybe I just, maybe I ran into some good luck, but I never had a car issue. I never had a car issue. I never saw, the one thing is I never saw a moose. I didn't see moose until like the three first three months I lived here, which was, I, I was a little sad about, but I got there really? eventually. I broke my moose curse. Um, or you could say Merce, you know, if you want to be clever, but uh yeah i i maybe i just ran into a stroke of luck but if you do take your time though too you're not going to be so irritable and you're going to realize if there is something wrong if your car is making a funny noise and also if you're planning ahead of time you have stops along the way you're going to be okay um and I, I don't know i think i just ran into a stroke of luck maybe but also too i think that between the planning and just taking it as an experience for you to go out and enjoy yourself and do a fun road trip that's I think that's what that's what makes or breaks it. Because Jamin, I'm not sure if with other people you've interviewed, if they have rushed it, because I feel like a lot of people are, I just want to get it done and over with. And I think for your first time, don't do that. If it's your second time or third time, okay. I understand people just want to do it because they've done it before. But if it's your first time, don't rush it. You're gonna not enjoy yourself as much and you're gonna probably run into problems because you are trying to rush it. Yeah, I mean, if at all possible, try to try to give yourself plenty of plenty of cushion on the other other end, because, yeah, the most stressful situations I've heard always, always, always come up when they start work like that week that they're showing up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so exactly. If, if at all possible, yeah, try try to avoid that. Um, OK, so Kevin's here. He's living here for a little bit. Um, what's kind of your first impressions of of anchorage once you've gotten here it is the weirdest city in america <laughs> but um what makes you say that it is you know i feel that when you're walk when you're driving through anchorage it's 
it's as if you drive through the centuries. It's the weirdest thing. It's like one at one moment in Anchorage, you're, you know, you're especially because Anchorage, I think, is like the largest has the largest city limit of any like or city in city in the country, if I'm not mistaken. It's like one you're in the middle of nowhere and then the next you're driving through the 1980s and then next you're at this like, you know, this this new build that was just built in the, in 2022 of a building and it has like all the bells and whistles. And, um, and I think that was that, I think that's really cool. Cause you know, you, you, I don't know, you get a, you get a, you get a feel for everything. Um, one another thing too is Anchorage doesn't have a fashion sense. You can do, you can be, <laughs> you can be whoever you want to be and you can dress however you want to dress. And, I actually really love that because people up here dress for comfort and they dress for they dress for comfort and they dress for practical. Like no one's up here trying to outstyle anyone else because who wants to be freezing and you know 20 degree weather outside, you know. I, and it's it's cool to it's cool to do that. And I think that's something I really appreciated about Anchorage and uh kind of wrapping this up with the trifecta again. Mm. I like that I've always wanted to live in a beach town. And so <laughs> I say that I live in a beach town here in Anchorage. And and I love that, that you have the, you know, you have you have the beach in, you know, down um down towards the airport that you can go to, but then you have the mountains in the background as you're driving and you can see Sleeping Lady and this and then I love that you can see the termination dust coming down off the mountaintops as the snow starts to come and it starts to turn from green to white. There there's just like a lot of really beautiful places you can get to in Anchorage from Anchorage within 20 to 20 or 30 minutes, you know, and, and you can be out in the middle of nowhere in 20 or 30 minutes and, and feel your peace. And with that too, I'm going to do three and a half here is everything's kind of centrally located in Anchorage. So I feel like I don't have to travel too far to get to where I need to go. And it's all pretty well laid out in grid style since, since Alaska was, um, you know, later, uh, Anchorage was like later developed after like the automobile and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So is Anchorage about what you thought it would be or were there kind of some big surprises and adjustments you had to, had to get over? I can't say that I had any expectations for Anchorage. I was in it just to, for the experience. I, I think I didn't expect Anchorage to be as small as it is, actually, I guess, was one thing. I thought it would be a little bigger. And I mean, population-wise, I mean, the state of Alaska only has like 750,000 people and Anchorage only has like 265,000 or something along those lines. And that's that that's incredible, like how small the city actually is. But that also turns into a good thing because in a sense, everybody really knows everybody. And it's this, it's the biggest city, smallest town that you'll, biggest town, smallest city you'll ever be in. That's probably the best way to put it. Cause I mean, if you're just going land wise, it is absolutely enormous. Like you can drive for about 30 minutes and still be in Anchorage, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of a small population, but it's also like the biggest city in Alaska. And mm -hmm. so it, it kind of feels like in some ways, like you know, small town with like big city challenges <laughs> come up every now and then. But that's, uh, that's just something that I've noticed though. Same here. Totally.
All right. So you came up here, lived up here for a little bit, had a chance to kind of kick it during the summer. Um, do you have any favorite activities that you enjoy going and doing now? I'm going to split this up. I'm going to do for me. And then if someone's coming um, to visit you, because I think those are two pretty different uh, ways of looking at it for me in the summertime. Uh, I For me in the summertime, it's just getting out there and hiking. I mean, you got 22 hours of daylight around or 20, 20 to 22 hours of daylight, depending on where you are in Alaska, but in Anchorage specifically. And you, I, you want to be out there all day, every day that you can, um, you know, it's the midnight madness, you know, the, the mad dash to the mountains to get out there and hike and, and make sure you go with somebody too. I mean, people are afraid of bears, but I personally have never had a run in with a bear. I know a lot of people that haven't either. I mean, I think it's more like, as long as you're taking the proper precautions and you're, you know, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do, you'll be fine. And uh, I love McHugh Peak. McHugh Peak's probably one of my favorite hikes. Um, Rainbow Ridge was also a lot of fun. Uh, and also, too, with that was Ptarmigan, Ptarmigan Peak. Uh, I love that. I loved hiking back to, like, Eagle uh, Eagle and Symphony Lakes. Uh, I've, I've done that twice now. Um, and also for me, too, uh, I love... Um, I, I really love going up to the Matanuska Glacier in the winter. I know in the summer, but in the winter... I love going up there and doing the Matanuska Glacier tour with a walking tour in the winter. Um, so there, I guess those are some things. Also, one other thing is I, I've met a lot. I've met some really great people up here and it, Anchorage doesn't have so much of a going out scene. It's more like going to people's houses, I feel. So it's much more of like a hosting culture up here at people's homes. Like, hey, check out my backyard, man. Like I got I got a fire pit. I got the setup, you know. <laughs> or hey, you know, I you know playing board games or coming over having a fire, um, you know, w watching a game, whichever. It's much more of a hosting culture, and I've done a lot of that in my free time too. Really quickly, if you have someone up here, take them to the Kenai Fjords National Park tour and take them on the train. Do what you need to do. It's great, and they'll love it. I promise you. And also too, go up to Denali, pass through Talkeet, and like go to the Denali Brewing Company, and then make your way up to Denali National Park. And go ahead and do that drive. Uh, you're not probably ever going to do it again in your life. So if you do get the opportunity to do that with somebody, do it. Those are those are some things that I have. If you're if someone's going to be visiting you, yeah. I mean it's it's absolutely spectacular. I'm glad that you brought that up because, um, like the the Kenai Fjords tour, um, the the train ride going on there. I mean that's um, that's like the uh, the routes and the sceneries that like. Alaskans who like live up here and are used to it are like blown away with by when they go and go and look at it. So yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I want to second that. Well, and I even recommend the Matanuska glacier tour in the winter for somebody, uh, because you can actually walk up to the glacier and I've done that every winter that I've lived here because I love it so much. And also go with an Alaskan because Alaskans get discounts. They get the local discount. And then you as their partner, you get uh, like a local sponsor discount. So because if you don't, it's like it's a lot pricier. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Do you remember like how much it was? Because, uh, man, I think it was like a decade or a couple decades ago. Like they had this big blow up between like some some property owner because people were like just driving kind of through the edge of his property to get to it. And um, yeah, sounded like it escalated in a couple situations. Sounds like that's not the situation you ran into. So 
Well, so the Matanuska, from what I understand, and I love, I would love for one of your listeners to fact check me, fact check me, because you know, not I'm not right about I'm not right about a lot of things, but um, is that it's private property. So the Matanuska Glacier Tour to get to the glacier, it's private property, and that there was some access issue in the sense of people trying to get around that, and when let's face it, everyone, we're, you know, we're enjoying what we're enjoying something. And it's one of Mother Nature's wonders. And we need to pay so that we can maintain our natural outdoor spaces and make sure that they're enjoyable, enjoyed by everyone on the same level. And so I'm okay to pay $30 to have a guide that is going to keep me from walking on thin ice and falling down, you know, 100, you know, 100 meters, exaggerating, but and then, you know, or a glacier collapsing on me or something. So, and we're paying for these wonderful spaces. So, yeah, I would recommend not to try to circumnavigate the Matanuska Glacier Tour and just pay the money and enjoy yourself. Yeah, you don't, yeah <laughs> don't, don't be cheap or you'll end up in some glacier, glacier crevice somewhere. And that's not a great place to be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Completely agree. All right, so let's let's go and ask some brass task brass tack questions here. So, what are some of the biggest pros and cons you've seen of living in Alaska so far? Pro pros one access to nature. I love having the access to nature that I do. Absolutely amazing. You can't get any better. Two trail system trail system here in anchorage amazing um it, it, you you won't find another trail system all these other states say we have the best trail systems mm -mm -mm. anchorage has got it it's it's it really does it, it really does it's incredible moose's loop if you like biking i've done it every year multiple times um and it's a great way to see anchorage um uh, a pros about living in alaska one other one is no one you're not gonna living here i a lot of, the majority of people in this world will never experience what you experience here in Alaska. And I've had the opportunity, especially if you get a job up here that lets you travel the state, you are going to see some incredible sights. And I, for one example is I was out in the Bering Strait region for my job. And it's, a, and it's not like I'm a, it's not like I'm a crazy, I have some crazy job. I don't. Um, I was out there for two weeks and I got to you know, I got to take a ATV two hours into the wilderness and go and go find a hot spring um, that uh, that some people took me to. I got to travel to Savunga to, you know, work on some contamination, contaminated sites. I got to travel to a, a couple of different uh, places to see also, too, how beautiful the Alaska Native culture is and how it plays a really major part in the state and um, and how they're stewarding their lands and, you know, how and and how they're kind of running communities and and other forms of, you know, getting together for potlatches and things like that. Uh, I'll just give three cons. Um, I don't want to focus too much on them because I feel that you shouldn't focus on them too much. But one, of course, and I'm sure you got this, Jamin, it's just the price of things. It, it Like I was back home for the holidays and my mom said, Oh my goodness, asparagus, $1.49 a pound. I, I started laughing because I walked into Fred Meyer when I got back and it's $4.49 a pound, it's for like example. Crying on the wrong shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that, not everything's that exaggerative, like $3 markup, but it, it, I mean, it is expensive. And, um, and two as a con is um, 
probably meeting people. It is hard to meet people up here. Um, you know, it's a very transitory state, as you said, and not a lot of people stay. And when they do stay, they leave and then you have to go find new friends. But I fortunately, you know, I put myself out there with work, with extracurriculars and like, you know, uh, things like that. And I've been able to meet a lot of people and create some great connections. Three, um, don't go house hunting on your own. Fire, find yourself a good realtor. <laughs> yeah, because the market is very competitive and i was glad that i had you by my side to help me kind of navigate and answer kind of those basic questions and i'm very happy where i'm living now and i think people come over all the time and they people come over all the time and they say wow your place is so beautiful um and i wouldn't have found it or you know been able to plan for it if it wasn't for having a good realtor so make sure you do that as a as a as a little tidbit there as a con and pro <laughs> well i i do really appreciate that um so i'm glad to hear you kind of mention about the uh, how challenging it can be to actually meet people because i mean that is something that um, uh, in my business we identified um, about a year or so ago and we're like okay so what we're going to start doing is hosting these monthly meetups uh, for people who have recently moved up here and um so yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure you get the Facebook link for that. Um, the next meetup we're going to be doing, we're just going to go to Eagle River, like go sledding, and um, you know just have some hot chocolate, like super low key. Just the point is to actually just like meet and talk to people. So we'll uh, we'll make sure you get those invites. I'll bring my sleds. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, do you have any other closing thoughts, comments, objections you'd like to throw out there? Enjoy yourself while you're here, even if it's for a short time. Don't be afraid. I think in the outdoor scene, you can be a little intimidated because Alaska has a lot of people that are very extreme when it comes to the outdoors, but the outdoors should be enjoyed by everybody, no matter what your level is. So just enjoy yourself while you're here. Don't be self-conscious and, you know, you can get out and walk and that's all you need to do just to enjoy the beautiful the beautiful Alaska scenery. And that, I guess that's my little piece of advice for people that are maybe not as outdoorsy that do come to Alaska to enjoy the outdoors that may be intimidated. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, Kevin, again, thank you very much for joining us and kind of sharing your, your perspective and you know what your experiences have been. Um, for those of you considering making the move, do feel free to reach out to me. Be more than happy to answer any questions you have. And if you'd like information about that meetup group I was talking about, um, the link for that should be in the show notes of this podcast episode as well. But um, Kevin, again, thank you very much. I'll uh, let you go ahead and get on with your evening. Thank you very much, Jamin. Thank you. Bye.